Welcome to Winning Uglier with Brad Gilbert. What up, Buck? Spring is in the air and tennis on the brain. Firstly, congratulations on your new gig. You're going to be a director of tennis, so that will be something new. Thank you. Thank you. And kind of, you know, a year ago is when we, you know, kind of went to the lockdown. As things are starting to change, you know, courts are starting to be much more open and we're seeing tournaments. Today's, you know, discussion is going to really be about the return of match play, getting back into the swing of competing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just for everyone, I'm, I'm going to be the uh, director of tennis at the Los Angeles Tennis Club starting in a couple weeks. So I'm very, very excited about that opportunity. And uh, we'll get to work with lots more players at, at the club and junior level uh, all throughout the year. And it kind of, in some ways, uh, an extension of the of the mindset that is this podcast. So really, really excited for it. Um, but yeah, we are, we are just kind of starting to get back into the swing of playing more matches. I mean, combo of, you know, the weather getting warmer and, and COVID easing off. So a lot and, more people and, are going to be back school, out there. High school, actually, boys and girls are starting to play here in California. You know, obviously lots of UTR and hopefully, you know, with USTA and, and these leagues, you know, everything will be fully ramped up within a month or two. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's the hope, and and we're all we're all hoping it, it is going to end up being that way. So today we're going to discuss about how to actually get ready after this long period of time off, because you know a lot of us have been playing, but you know you you haven't actually been playing for something to lose, and you know that always is a completely different mindset. You know, even if it's at your club or against somebody you're familiar with. But if we're keeping score for, you know, record, there's always a little different dimension to it. Yeah, it's it's always a little bit different if it's if it's official, you know, and I yeah, maybe you said, you know, something to lose, something to gain, you know, that 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 just as much. Uh, but yeah, everything is a little bit different than just a light, a light practice sesh, you know, versus uh, getting back into full on proper match play. So I like to start thinking about about. Let's say we have two weeks before we're really going to start playing in matches. We're going to start playing whether that's the three five, the four zero, or playing in junior tournaments. You know, high school. Um, have a plan to get ready to peak to to when we're starting to play. And to me, it's much more about things that you can work on in your game to get ready than making it so technical. A lot of us, maybe if we do take one lesson or two lessons a week, you know. A lot of times it's technical, and I I think that or working on shots, but I think it's more important to really work on specific you know areas of your game to get ready. And I I call the three most important areas of your game to get ready for match play: serve, returns. Returns is out is the most overlooked shot in all of the game. So many people we hit ten minutes of serves and one minute of returns. Every point starts with a server return, and and that's an important part. And another one that a lot of us don't practice, I think, is a really important shot to practice: easy balls, easy forehands, you know, short forehands, high volleys, easy smashes, high forehand volleys. All those little things that, like, if you lose those easy points, sometimes they can cost you two or three because you get frustrated and want to chase them. 
But I think those are three important areas. And two areas I like to say from the serve and return, I call it serve plus one. You know, in the pros, that serve plus one could be serve and be offensive-minded. But at the club player and junior level, serve and make your first ball. Return, make your first ball. Because if you're four balls into any point, the odds of you winning points go up dramatically. Yeah, you, you got you really want to avoid those early, you know, third, fourth shot uh, donations. You know, it, it makes such a big difference in terms of putting pressure on your opponent if you're if you're able to stay con- consistent at least early in the rally. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I totally agree, and we were kind of mapping it out before this podcast. Serve, return, and easy balls are really kind of like the the pillars, I think, of, 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 you know, playing a solid match. I think everything on top of that is sort of like a bonus, all the, all the, the great shots you hit, all, all, all the, you know, highlight reel, so to speak, type shots. Um, those are all, you know, make everything more fun. And, and not, not to say that it's not, you know, a big part of, of playing is, is, you know, having fun from that. But at the same time, if you, if you're serving, close to your best if you're putting a lot of returns in play and you are putting pressure on your opponents when you have those easy balls when you have those short midcourt forehands or you're being you know just solid with the high volleys it just puts you in so much of a better position to win i also feel like having a plan let's say if there's a partner that you practice with once a week you know have it once a week where you guys feed each other and do drills. If you don't have somebody like that and you take a lesson, maybe instead of taking a a lesson and working on some things or technical, take a lesson to to work on some patterns. Get a ball machine. You know, you can set things up. The one thing like I'd be working on a lot the last few days before I played a match, I call just a serve that I can, a first serve that I can put in play. You know, do I have a 70%, 65% serve that, okay, boom, I can just make it to a big target to the backhand. You know, can I hit a second serve 50% right in the box, right in the middle? You know, just, you know, and return down the middle, especially against first serves, put the ball in play. Way too many of us try to break, you know, go inside out, go cross, go down the middle, get in the point. So just little things to remember Starting games, you know, that two balls, the first point of almost every game, if you can get a serve plus one, a return plus one, it's massive in competing. Yeah, it's so um, reps oriented in terms of just getting good quality reps uh, in those three areas. And, you know, I just think, um, you know, it's just so common in practice that you spend so much so much time hitting groundies you know, hitting forehands, backhands from the baseline. But I think especially in that in that two-week lead-up period, and maybe even arguably a lot more of the time than that, half the practice should be incorporating serves and returns at, at the least, if, if not more. A hundred percent. Especially if you're playing doubles, serves, returns, and I, I like serve and return is even, easy, even more pivotal in yeah, doubles. And I say, you know, work on your volleys. Make, you know, see if you can volley with your partner, make five in a row. Mm-hmm. Make seven in a row. And believe it or not, when you start making balls, your confidence grows. Then all of a sudden, you know, maybe you start feeling a little better that you can do a little more. And I think that you get amped up a little bit. 
you overplay and you give. And obviously the pros are elite college level. You know, matches can be won a lot easier than lost. And a lot of from four, five under and a lot of juniors and high school matches, a lot of matches are lost on unforced errors. And I call just not managing your game. You know, um, I think it's really important, you know, as you get back into things, you know, obviously maybe your opponent hasn't played as many, but you're going to be rusty. You're going to be a little bit nervous because of, okay, you know, if I've been playing tournaments and doing things a lot the last five years, now I haven't been doing it, natural to get a little bit tight. It always happens. Yeah, I think speaking of, of getting a little bit tight, I think that's the, the sort of next area we wanted to transition into was uh, talking about fighting nerves and, and, and tension when, you know, you're, you're early on in, in a match. I mean, for me, I would always get a lot more nervous at, you know, early on in matches when I, when I hadn't played in a, in a long time, once I was in a rhythm, you know, and I'd been playing, you know, you know, turn like a pretty busy tournament or, or college match schedule. I, I just felt a lot more relaxed in general about playing matches, but it would always be like, let's say, you know, I was, had gone, you know, a few months without playing a match that first one back. There's just always a bit more tension. Um, so I, I don't know if you just have any recommendations for people listening, what they can do to, to ease sort of those early match jitters. It's a good question and thought, you know, because sometimes I always feel like if I win that first one, man, I might win five. You know, if you lose that first one, you're you're a little bit... I think it's more about thinking about what you do well, what you don't do well, and maybe what your opponent's strengths and weaknesses are. So I, I, I like to try to keep it simple, and, but really focusing on starting out a match, you know, making serves, making returns, breathing, relax, take your time. I, I always say, go ahead and rush. If you're up two zero three zero four, you're flying. No problem. We're struggling. Take your time. You know, play, you know, play within yourself. When you're, things are going good, it's easy to be rolling, but don't be rushing, you know, when things aren't going well. Also to, you know, try to get a, a little habits and patterns. If you bounce the ball three times, try to make sure you bounce it three times. You know, if you like all of a sudden I'm not going well, I pick a spot, I go touch it. I go do a little walkabout, just little things to kind of make, make sure your water bottle is uh, facing the exact uh, right no, way like Rafa. <laughs> I, I don't have to do that. No, I know, I know. But, but I do feel like sometimes when you get nervous, you, you lose clarity. You, and you know what, when you get a little ner- nervous and clarity, you get tired. You actually get tired being tense. So, you know, that that's where the relax and breathing, because if you've been doing a lot of cardio, it it's not the same as playing a set, you know, that potentially, shoot, they keep scoring. That's in the record now. So I, I do think it's really important, you know, about the relaxing, breathing, and okay, if I've been working on Surf Plus One, let's start out doing that. Yeah, I think it's good to have a good, simple, uh, clear game plan going in for for just a few things uh, to work on, you know, or to emphasize for the match. For sure, that that helps on the on the clarity factor. I like think- may, like maybe my opponent doesn't move well. I'm gonna hit him some drop shots today, or I want to make him, yeah. I, you, you know, I want to make him move to the forehand so I can open up space to the backhand. Or they have a really big forehand in the middle of the court. They can take 
Let's stay away from that. Yeah, but but again, the, I would I would say I would keep it to like one or two of those types of thoughts per match. You know, you you don't want to have five or six thoughts like that piling up, or it all gets a little bit too convoluted. I think. Uh, and I was the other the other tip I was gonna say for nerves is to just make sure you get a good long you know whenever possible a long warm up in before the match and and get a little bit of a sweat going before you're even on the court because I think it just it just helps so much in, in sort of burning off some of that excess um, anxiety that 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 could be there if if you get a good you know 30 minute plus warm up in before a match starts you, you know and everybody's different helps with injury pre- no, no, prevention too for everybody's sure everybody's different you know whether or not you want to finish 30 minutes before or 45 minutes before some people like to hit right before or the treadmill sure but whatever your routine is the, the worst thing in the history of the world is to you know be you know rushed mm-hmm. you know if you're coming from work give yourself an hour you know, make sure you can get 15 minutes or like I used to like right before I played, I used to like to go take a walk for five minutes, just pace a little bit, just think, you know, and I, I like to, okay, if I hit an hour before, if you want to hit a little bit before, you know, you, you want to get your, your heart rate up a little bit, but not too high. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. And I think, yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, everybody is different, no doubt. And it's just, but it's just knowing what works for you before a match starts and then sticking to that because it's just, you know, that's one thing that you can totally control is your, is your pre-match routine. And that will give you greater clarity, greater peace of mind going into the match. If you've just been able to properly execute your pre-match routine. And, and believe it or not, just little dumb, little, I call, I call them little knucklehead things Make sure that you have one racket that's a little different tension, higher or lower. Make sure that your your, your grips are re-rolled. Because believe it or not, just little things like that kind of put a little more pep in your step, That a, a little preparation that you can control. For sure, because all these other little things that might pop up, you know, like you realize last second, uh, you know... I don't know. You, you you have one less racket strung than you thought, or you don't. You're you're missing a ha- a hat or sunscreen from your bag. All all those little things, they they add they add to stress. And and so yeah, our my college coach Peter Wright would would call all that stuff level one. You know, you just you got to have your level one operations taken care of going into the match. And it, uh, yeah, that was a it was a work in progress for me, big time. Yeah, and believe it or not, just little things like that when. When I used to see like players like scrambling right before match time, it's like, okay, he's a little bit unorganized, you know? That There's would be a, me too often. Yeah. Yes. And, and I just feel like little things that that you can control, make sure that you can control. No doubt. And, and you, you alluded to this a little bit earlier about, um, you know, nerves can burn energy way, way quicker during the match. And, and, and that's sort of the, the last thing uh, in regards to getting back into match play is just talking about you know, managing your emotions and and pacing yourself because it's just important to, you know, especially when you haven't played in a while, pace yourself and, and do everything you can do to avoid a mid-batch burnout because maybe you do start really hot. Maybe you, you, you do feel good. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you hit a wall early in the second set because, you know, the, the combo of, of the nerves with the cardio and all that just, just is, is a bit too much. Well, I, I call, first of all, the score. The, I, each game to me is like a mini set. And when I have 30 love or 40 love, maybe that's an opportunity. You know what? Maybe I can play a little bit riskier 
on this point. I've got scoreboard. And if I'm down, you know, in a game, love 30, 50, 40, maybe I better pull back a little more. And I, and I think that more than anything, that nerves make you race and they make you tired. And I, I really think that, you know, I call it even breathing, relaxed breathing, and not worrying about, you know, the outcome. Sometimes we start to get, you know, a little bit uptight. We worry that we could lose this or something, or I'm letting somebody down. And even makes you more stressed and more tired. So I like to think about each individual game. Where am I at in this, you know, if it's, if it's a four-point game or it's a regular do-sad game, kind of dictates, you know, my situation. Geez, I got 40-15 here. You know what? Instead of going just a three-quarter serve, I might try to bust a, you know, a big one up the middle. I might try to go wide to open up the point. You know, I, I might, if I have 40 love, I might be riskier on my second serve. Same thing if I got love 40 on a return, that's a good time to, to maybe be aggressive on a second serve return going for it. So I like to think about all the scenarios in a game that can help me. So just instead of thinking about the set score or whatever, I just kind of refocus every game on the actual game score of the game situation, what, what I can try and do. Yeah, I, I think you you know, I don't I don't think that's like something that that every coach preaches too because there's also like the mantra you know play every point you know the same and and compete you know with that even intensity every point so I think I think your your notion about playing the score is is I think it's 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 obviously very much you and I'm just wondering uh you know if if you've had players that you've coached you know, think differently on that or, or when you, if you've gotten any opposition to that? Okay. This is a good question that, that, that you bring up because everybody is different, but you know, play every point. I also feel like, let, let's say I'm coaching somebody that their game is different. So you, I'm not going to take one player to make him play like another player, but I do feel like a lot of players, let's say, will get an attackable ball on the first ball and pass it. So that to me is like, if you get your ball, that's the first ball or third ball or fifth ball, that's the one you go for. You, you know, it, but if it's a difficult ball, stay in the point. Um, and I think for, for club players, if, you know, a lot of times, believe it or not, the easiest shot you get maybe is the very first ball. And that might be the easy one. And then that's the one where a lot of club players and juniors are afraid to miss and they missed trying not to miss it. But if they give you a, you know, a little powder puff on the first ball, okay, I, I, you know, I'm not going to just pass that one back. I should, you know, take the lead here. So good idea to tell yourself, if I get a fairly easy ball on the first ball, make sure you take the lead. I agree. Yeah. You, you, you got to take when, the lead when you can. And, and when you get nervous, feet. You know, just move your feet a little bit. Do a little dance step. Walk around. Just try to get your feet going because usually your feet get your brain going. I was gonna say sometimes it's funny when the uh, when when the mind starts racing a bit, uh, the feet can actually kind of shut down. And, and you know, you got you got too many thoughts swirling in your head, and you don't you, you kind of forget that you know you're pretty flat on your feet at that point. A hundred percent is like you. It, it, it's funny is sometimes when you're on the court, you don't realize you, you, you go tell 
you know they serve wide on every single big point? Really? And, and But you don't know that. But you would think you do. And it, sometimes, like, and that's when you're racing... And it's usually when you when your your mind is more clouded than you think. Yeah, and you're too close. You're, you're too you're too you know nose right up against the book. Yeah, and, or, or you know you haven't moved back on one return, or you know you're 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 too far forward. It's just you kind of forget to remind yourself of little strategy changes that maybe that you do because you get a little nervous, and then sometimes in that that's when you, you have to just breathe and make sure the feet are moving because they're disconnected the brain and feet yeah and and just good little you know especially when things aren't going well and we've talked about this before but just taking you know good resets you know you can use the changeovers as good resets to just focus on the breathing try and and calm the mind down a bit and i think you know start to think about you know you know a little bit bigger picture you know what what are some of the patterns going on in the match and one thing that sometimes we neglect and forget about, if something's working, into first, keep doing it. <laughs> it's like, and and a lot of times when people lose one or two, they think, oh, better not do. It. Tennis is about numbers. If 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 I take the person wide and I win eighteen points and lose nine, I'm plus nine. If I come in on his backhand and I've won nine, lost three, I'm plus six. So I think about everything as a numbers, you know, like, okay, if I serve to his backhand, geez, that's not going well. Every second serve, I usually lose eight out of 10. That's a bad pattern we got to avoid. So I I think about positive patterns and negative patterns. You, you know me, I'm always thinking, you know, like. Yeah, you, you love putting a numerical value on things. I mean, yeah, I could even think just bigger picture, you know, is is the pattern, you know, overall, is it effective? Is it, is it ineffective? You know, but I I know you're always like keeping your own stats while in your head while you're playing. You, you know what I never worry about? And you see so many players do. I don't think this helps you at all. It's incredible how many players do practice swings and they're always searching. They think there's something technical in their swing. If it is something technical in your swing, it ain't going to get fixed in the next 15 minutes. I, I got the same swing at 59 as I did as I at seven years old. I don't ever, t- you know, so it's like, I don't take, I have to take a practice cut. If I missed it, I missed it. It wasn't because something I didn't trust my swing. So if there is something going on with your swing, you're not going to discover it now. So that's why I don't think getting too technical helps you. I think, I think it leads to mid-match wasted energy, I think. And that and, gets yeah, you tired. And that, and that's what gets you tired more than, more than anything else, I think. You know, it's, it's already, it's already a tiring sport. So, you know, being too in your head about things can just exponentially increase the fatigue factor. Have fun, you know, with the competing. And then hopefully, you know, in the next couple of months, you can ramp up a little more. And as you play more, obviously you get more settled and more relaxed, but I do feel like there's more nervous kind of, you know, you know, apprehension, tightness, you know, when you haven't played. But I also think that Use that in your favor and say, you know, my opponent's in the same spot as me. I'm better than him. <laughs> All right, yeah, I like I like the confidence. I like the confidence. Okay, we're gonna go to uh, questions now. We got a couple, uh, but the first one is from Alistair, who's been organizing league matches at his local club in San Carlos, California, and NorCal, Northern Cal, Bay Area says his most recent league was called the Gilbert Cup, in your honor. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And 
there were three teams in the league, and get this, the, the, the team names, Marin, Oakland, and Foothill. <laughs> very, very, all very, you know. My, my, my um, stomping grounds. Yeah. The, the, the BG, you know, very, all very important locations for BG over his lifetime. But, uh, so yeah, so no shout out to Alistair and, and all the listeners at, at the San Carlos TC. And uh, he had a recent doubles match that he says didn't go so well. He was a bit tight and his partner was lacking some positive energy. So he wants to know, how do you recommend when playing doubles, handling a situation where your partner is not playing that well and you know that they can, or that they're not in the right frame of mind to play, um, you know, what do you do in that situation? Well, the first and foremost, let's say it's a 4-0 level. You're playing as a team. And if you're, one's not playing well, we're not playing well together. And I think it's up to, you know, listen, come on, let, let's keep fighting. Let's get the next point. Let's get, it's the positive attitude. Maybe to experiment, let's, let's play... Um, you know, whether or not uh, maybe you play a little closer, maybe you play back, maybe we stay back, maybe we're both up, but constantly communicate and constantly motivate. Because if you don't motivate when somebody's struggling, missing the easy balls, they're, they're, their head is swirling and they're down and getting pissed at them or getting down with them is not going to help. I say more than anything, motivate, communicate. Communication is is definitely key, and I think it always helps if there's also a better, you know, off the off the court, you know, rapport with with that person. You know, the more you know someone on a personal level, usually the easier communication is in doubles. But I, I was thinking about this question, and I th- there was one thing that kind of came to my mind though, and that it's you know when you're on an airplane, you know, and they say in case of an emergency, put your own oxygen mask on before you know going to help others, and in some ways. So Alistair said he was a bit tight. You don't want to lose sight of, you know, taking care of, of what's not working in your own game first. And and then I think once you do that, then, you know, it's a lot, it's it just the, the motivation for, of your partner comes more naturally, actually. So, but, but no doubt, you know, positivity, I think positive energy in doubles is, is huge. I think it's, I think it's, bigger even, you know, than in singles because doubles is so much about, you know, quick reactions and short points. And you can take the loss harder because you're, you're not just losing for yourself. You're losing for the team. Sure. It it can definitely be more emotional. Did you ever do this? Let's say you're down four, one or five, one. You might, I might go over to my partner and say, can't fucking believe how bad we are today. Could, could we suck worse? But you know, maybe we're going to start to get better now. Maybe we've gotten the worst behind us. So I do think sometimes like letting out a little bit of like the, the obvious, it's like, how bad are we? Are we, you know, maybe we can make a little change here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I, I often notice that the team that's winning in doubles is the one that's loose and kind of having fun and, and they're chatting. And the team that's losing is often, you know, there, there's, there's an invisible wall between the two players and, you know, they're, you know, it's just the it's not it just doesn't seem like they're having as much fun so you almost got to trick yourself it's it's sort of like a a b before you do situation and even if you're losing you want to still think about okay what's that what's that kind of you know having fun you know loose rapport that that i have with my partner when we're winning and and you can try to get to that you know even if the scoreline is not in your favor and i think 
everything else might start turning around as a result. You know, beer if we break. Or yeah, like, just, you owe me lunch, yeah. you know, if we Keep, get back it to four all, you know. Or if you can, you know your partner, well, you might say, Jesus, I'm I'm getting tired of holding you up. Can you hold me up? You know, anything to just kind of break the ice, to be able to to get our chemistry going. And sometimes you almost feel like, your your focus isn't even on your opponents because you're you're so stressed and worried about what you're not doing and we're not even communicating to like okay I'm going to go you know serve wide I'm, you're going to poach you're going to cover you know back to basic tactics kind of get lost they they can they can get lost for sure but yeah it's I don't know I I always think in doubles you know play loose be positive you know you, and move movement eases things up and it, it sort of just helps uh you know make everything i think a little bit more effective in doubles once there's you know it's like sort of like the basketball term of movement without the ball you know when you're playing doubles to you know even if the ball is not coming your way you know you're moving at the net you know you're you're go- you're going for poaches maybe maybe you don't commit but you're always you know making the other team think and i think that movement can sort of create positive energy in itself if, if, if the feet are more active and, and, and you're you're just starting to get the body more involved. It, let's say high school tennis, 4-0 and less. Movement is so underrated in that I call you create a disturbance. You can win points by doing nothing. You you, you fake to cover. You, you you cut across. You you start doing things all over the... And then they're looking at you like, Jesus, what was he doing there? Sometimes even if you leave early, but, uh, you know, you sprint forward, just creating a little bit of, you know, doubt and disturbance. And then the returner or the person on the other side, what's he doing? So I just think that that, that, that sometimes can elevate things. And, and you see pros doing flying around all over the place. I think there's a lot more of that that can happen at the club level. I think I think we really took this question and ran with it. It actually kind of gets me a little fired up to think about maybe even doing a, a whole episode just on doubles because yeah. there's there's a lot more I could talk about, you know, there for sure. But I think we want to go to the to the next one, uh, which comes from Christoph M, and it's regarding um, young younger kids playing, and he says, "Do you think that kids should learn the whole swing?" from the beginning and hit the ball hard to develop a clean technique or should they learn the technique while they play the game with slower balls and small courts like play and stay is there a danger that they become pushers so one thing i wanted to say first of all about this question is i don't think that just because kids are are play on a smaller court with softer balls means that they're not learning to hit the ball hard or learning full technique it's uh, that to me is is a bit of of a misnomer you know what's great about the you know, orange, green, all the different ones. Seven. Listen, if you get good technique, you know a great thing to do is practice shadow technique. You know you can learn to take a good swing and a full cut at it. And with the orange ball and a green ball, if you got good technique and good balance, you can give it a hit. Um, Andre's dad, you know, really believed that like if if you have good technique, it's better to be aggressive. And then learn to taper down, then be tentative, and then try to to be aggressive. But I do think more than anything, when you're starting out, when you're playing with, with what is it, green, orange, red, all those different ones, mm-hmm. you're trying to learn decent technique, so something that you can repeat. And you know, 
I feel like once you learn something and you kind of start to have familiarity with it, then all of a sudden, you know what, maybe we can give it a little more of a go. Um, but I, I do think that there's no reason why you can't give the ball a, a bit of a push with certainly with the, the yellow dot balls. Yeah. Um, no, so I, or is it green dot? It's green. Yeah. There's Sorry. no, there's no yellow. It goes, it goes red, orange, and then green. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, it's just when, when kids are first starting out playing, it's all about setting that foundation for, for them having fun and enjoy it. And, and I think it's just an overall easier process for kids to get in the game when the balls are, you know, they, they don't feel as heavy on the racket and, and they feel like they have a manageable size court to work with. Three, um, three things that you, one you hit was fun, working on technique and having fun footwork, you know, things where you're, you're, you're moving, you know, bada bing, bada boom, you're moving and you're working on little fun drills. But technique, if you see somebody that has a little bit of skill, you know, technique, the, the younger that you learn a little bit of a technique that you can kind of lock in your brain, believe it or not, I have the same swing on my forehand. Literally, I don't know, since I've been six or seven. I, you know, I learned it and, you know, I saw not too long ago, like Djokovic hitting a backhand when he was like six or seven. It's like, man, it looks the same. Just now he's big and, you know, so if you can learn technique at an early age, then it becomes about, you know, footwork, repetition, fun. Yeah. I mean, and I do have like, um, some, some friends of mine that run a a really big, uh, red, orange, green program up in the Bay area. I mean, I, I was talking to them about this recently, and I mean, they, they do, if if a kid is showing kind of an exceptional level of talent, um, you know, they're, they're, they're happy with moving them onto the, you know, the regular balls um, in a bigger court faster, like to expedite the process, if, if they're showing an exceptional level of talent. But I, I think that at the same time, I mean, you, that's, you start with the red, orange, green, and you go from there. I, I think that if you're showing exceptional talent, then you blow through those stations, but you should go through each station. Yeah, I agree. And then there's a second part to this question, which is, should should kids play a lot of tournaments at the age of 9, 10, or 11, or should they practice and start with tournaments later, like the Williams sisters, to develop their game and to avoid an early burnout? Okay, this is a great question. Not everybody's going to be the Williams sisters and have pro tennis on their mind. But if you want to be a good high school player or potentially play college, but, you know, your aspirations aren't being this great. I think, you know, every player is different, but I do feel like I'll take myself. I'd rather play matches and build from matches than have to do a ton of practice and all. and, And then... And I also felt like the more I played, the less that I ever got worried about it, you know, and then that, oh, geez, I haven't played one for three months or whatever. So the more that I played, the more it it was, okay, I was fairly relaxed about it. But if you're Osaka, who didn't play the juniors and trying to be, you know, this great pro, it's very difficult mindset to be able to just practice and always know where you're going game-wise, not competing. So, you know, and obviously there's a fear of competing too much. And if you lose and you don't handle it, so there's, there's lots of balances. And, 
there is no perfect formula, but in general, to do like what the Williams did is mostly impossible for for players to to get no reps and then all of a sudden become really good. But they were also practicing and they had two practices a day. They had structure and they had, you know, it wasn't just like they miraculously became good at 13, 14 without playing tournaments. They were playing 20, 30 hours a week. Yeah, I think theirs is an especially interesting case because they were still kind of all in on tennis at, at a young age. They just weren't playing tournaments. But, you know, so I think that there's definitely no, there's no one right answer to this one. Uh but it, I have kind of a theory for, for me, especially for, for this exact age, age range of 9, 10, 11. I would recommend less tournaments personally. And I would say play play tennis, but play other sports too. Especially, I mean... Yeah, that's a good I, idea. Be, I, be well-rounded. Because essentially, there have been people that have, that have become great players doing... The, the the all in on tennis model, um, Andre is one that like comes to mind. You know, you know, it, it, lot lots and lots of great players where they you know they're just you know kind of all in on tennis and playing tournaments and everything from a young age. But then there's been a lot of other great players that were multi sport athletes coming up and didn't really ramp up playing tournaments until like twelve thirteen. Yeah, twelve thirteen seems like sort of the sweet spot. Once you get past like 13 and you're not playing a lot of tournaments then in terms of being an elite player it it starts to get probably too late but yeah i just heard you know jim courier talking about that i you know an example right now yannick sinner is 19 years old and he's the best player in the world on the men's side for his age and he was more serious about skiing until he was 12 13 than he was about tennis so i just feel like so clearly that method can work too and the the danger of going that route and then, um, you know, having the kid sort of pick which direction, which sport they want to go and, and feel like, you know, it's a choice that they're consciously making when they're 12, 13 is so much less than a kid that, you know, before they even really realize, fully realize what's happening, they're playing tournaments every weekend when they're 9, 10, 11, and, and the, the burnout that, that can happen, you know, is is a more risky thing to me. If you want to be a good high school player, or you want to be a decent college player, or just you know you want you, you're a good you know um, club player, having fun in other sports helps you dramatically. Because I I feel like too many people go all in, you know when okay they're just going to be a college player, and and then I also feel like, geez that's a lot of pressure. So like. All through juniors, I played basketball. I played baseball. I, we played games. We, you know, if I wasn't playing tennis, I was doing something else. And believe it or not, every time I was playing a pickup basketball game, which I'm probably doing five times a week, it took pressure off my tennis because I was having fun. You know, you're competing at something else, and so I do think if you just if you play high school tennis, playing something else kind of helps you just relax. That it's not just end all be all. I want to get better, but I also want to, you know, have some fun doing some other things because it just, I find there's too many people at 10, 11, geez, I'm all in on lacrosse. I'm all in on volleyball. I'm all in on tennis. And that's great. But then 
if it doesn't go to plan, a lot of people are 15, 16, then all of a sudden, like, geez, I want to take a break. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my point is that you I want to avoid that. And I feel like for younger kids, you know, it's more of a conscious decision to go fully into a sport at you know, if they're doing it, if they're deciding to do that at like 12, 13, it's, and they have like, let's say two sports to pick from, it really feels more like their choice to play tennis as, you know, and it's probably really what they want to be doing. You know, I mean, of course there are, you know, you know, there, there are cases where, you know, kids just, you know, love tennis from an early age and that's phenomenal. If And if they're like, you know, strongly expressing that that's all that they want to do, then then you know that's phenomenal but I, I you know if they're expressing you know trying other things out well now then i think that it's that, that not sh- it's not the same when, when i was a tennis when i was a kid you played tennis and then you played but now there's there's cardio there's there's different things that you do training and all yeah. the different uh, footwork and all these things that so it, it, it's not just 15 hours of tennis a week it's a it's a lot of other things so i just think that if you're not like an elite level at such a young age, be more, you know, play other things, take a little pressure off of just doing one thing. But, you know, obviously but I, I, I still got to, because my, my whole point is you can play multiple sports until you're 12 or 13 and still be then after that very elite at tennis. Yeah. Because if you, you know what, usually if you're good in a few things means you're skillful. Yeah. So if like, and you brought up about sinner. So if obviously he could ski and do tennis, He's pretty skillful in a couple areas. So if you could play, like I heard Courier talk about tennis and baseball. So if you can do a couple different things, usually you're pretty skillful. So yeah, it does help you. And also too, just freeze the brain that you're not all in on something. Yeah. I don't mean to like try to overly persuade you from from your side, but I don't know. I just, um, I feel kind of strongly about this one. But like I said, there's definitely no... There's no one right answer to this one. Absolutely not. But you know, it's great just talking about match play, everybody getting excited to get back into the swing of things in tennis. And hopefully by the end of summer, fingers crossed, we're going to be much more back to normal. And I hope that, you know, tennis, you know, stays in the forefront and people are, you know, playing a lot more tennis that, you know, I've seen, you know, a lot more people hitting, you know, and I also think that's something that I want to keep people see doing once a week always just you know besides all we're ramping into match play just grooving have a groove hit that's my tip of the day go out and find somebody that you just hit with you just volley with you just go cross with you just serve and return you just groove you don't compete you're just having fun grooving each other. Like my Don Frager, who I told you about when I was a kid, this guy had it figured out. We didn't know. He's the only guy we knew that didn't want to play sets, but he actually had it figured out. But do some groove hitting. It kind of will put you in a good mental spot to get ready for match play. Amen. I like that. All righty. All righty.